37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? At long last, we are back with episode 182. Sorry about the delay for the uh, last week's episode, but uh, we'll get into that here in a minute. Preston, you got anything new to add before Steve and I jump in? Um, I mean, the only thing that I really probably have to add is uh, that uh, uh, mom and I have an appointment with the realtor on Thursday. We're finally getting the land up for sale, and uh, I potentially already have somebody uh, interested in the house and it's going to come in cash money. By the oh, house, damn. yeah, impressive. impressive. So that takes a little bit of stress off. How are you and the and the family holding up, dude? We're doing pretty good. Um, you know, um, mom. Right? Yeah, she has her moments. I mean, uh, you know, a yeah. certain somebody puts her under a lot of stress, and so when that that douchebag's not around, uh, she does pretty good. So. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, she, she has a wonderful support system. So Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, go, for man. sure. That's good. For sure. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, I always have a garage band set up that's called Blank Podcast Setup. Yeah. And it, it's all the tracks lined up for me, Preston, Steven, um, the different filters we use for, like, the stories we tell and stuff like that. Somehow I saved this, but it still has the, um, this your buddy Joe Bob shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> if I forget to choose the right track to record my starter track on, about two minutes into the episode, you'll hear, <laughs> and half the time it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> that's awesome. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. Uh, day by day, huh? Yeah. Golly. Yeah, because we, we were worried that the house was going to sit on the market for a long time and the land was going to mm-hmm. sit on the market for a long time. And daddy needs that uh, cash flow into the to mom's house. So I'm just, you know, one less thing I got to stress about. So, yeah, man, if you can get out from under that other house uh, in record time, dude, it might be all right. Yeah. Well, hell yeah, dude. Well, speaking of houses and the biggest reason why we missed recording last week. If I could have everybody do me a quick favor, pause the episode, and go check and see if you have brand new batteries in your carbon monoxide detectors and your smoke detectors. If you don't, change the batteries. If you don't have one, please go out and buy a couple. Put one by your water heater. Put one by your furnace. Put some in the kitchen. uh, Because Shayla and I were very fortunate um, a couple weeks back. Gosh, what was that? That would have been... um, the 14th. That would have been Valentine's Day. We woke up Valentine's Day morning to the sound of our carbon monoxide detector going off. And longer story shorter, our heater ended up having a really bad leak in it. And it was pushing carbon monoxide up into the house through the air vents. And the police department and gas company came and essentially red tagged and shut down our heater. And then we had to go from Sunday to Wednesday with no heat when Kansas hit a historic low of negative 16 degrees Fahrenheit. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was crap. And ironically, uh, just Saturday night, the night before uh, this all happened, I was taking Luna outside. It was kind of cold. 
And I kind of thought to myself, man, I remember the first year we were here at this house. Our heater went out on the coldest day in January, and how bad that sucked. Just imagine if that happened this time around, with it supposed to be, you know, negative 10. And uh, the universe, I guess, was listening and thought, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny? And so, yeah. But luckily, we made it. Uh, my dad and I got a hold of some space heaters, and I camped out in the house Monday night and Tuesday night, just cycling on and off the heaters while Shayla was at her parents' house, because she also just had her gallbladder removed uh, two days before all this went down. So, But thankfully, she's healing fine. Everything was good, and we now have a new heater. And uh, yeah, all is well. Dude, I'm glad that all that stuff came... Um... You know, you got it fixed and everything, man. Like, when when you texted us and told us that, it was pretty pretty bizarre. It was a really weird yeah. time too, because like I was having like a really rough weekend, and like yeah, oh yeah, uh, man. And I wanted to be there for you, and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> like it sucks. <laughs> and then like yeah, but then like when you sit back and think about it, man, like you you're lucky. Like that's oh yeah, the carbon dioxide is a silent killer, man. And like if yep. that if your battery was dead, who knows. You know, and that's, yeah, that's trippy as fuck, dude. Like, and then you just, it's, I don't know, it's weird to think. Yeah, and I've, I'm guilty of a smoke detector going off to the point where I just unplug the batteries because, you know, I don't have new batteries to put in it or whatever. That's the dumbest thing you can do. And luckily, we just put a new one of these carbon monoxide smoke detector combos in uh, a year, year and a half ago. So batteries were still fresh. It was still, you know... Brand new and oh shit! You want to know something really, really fucking creepy? Hmm. Um, today I'm sitting there playing Xbox. Uh, Shayla studying for some school stuff, and uh, it went beep beep beep. Malfunction detected in carbon monoxide. So I pulled the thing off, looked at the manual. Yeah, it basically just died today. So even luckier, per chance, I'd say, because it could have died <laughs> a week ago. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now it could have just malfunctioned because it tapped out, like it it did its job. And I guess you can take those things and put them outside to air them out, and kind of reset the uh, detector. I don't know, but I'm going to buy one tomorrow when I go back to work. I'm going to buy a couple more new ones uh, to put in the house. But yeah, everybody check that. Uh, check your batteries. Yeah. Blah blah blah. All that good stuff. Please, My landlord cause... comes and does ours every six months. Okay. And good. then like uh, you know, I always see the light flashing down there pretty hard to miss so oh yeah for sure and i just yeah, had a smoke detector down by my water heater uh furnace combo mm -hmm. so after your whole debacle and you know you're just like go switch them out i'm like god this motherfucker so the <laughs> next day at work i i bought the uh, combo you know carbon smoke detector with the little british chick voice and put it up and everything the british so. chick. <laughs> you got the voice activated <laughs> Hell yeah. Brr. Carbon monoxide detected. Call the doctor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's funny, dude. Uh, I'm glad you made that joke. Um, so Wednesday, it would have been um, a week ago from when this episode comes out, a week ago when I had the people show up and put in the new heater for us. Um, I've got a TARDIS license plate on the front of my car. And I told the guys, I was like, hey, you know, if you need anything, if you need to holler at me, if you need to warm up, like the back door's open, just, you know, pop in, you know, announce yourself before you come in so I don't get freaked out, some weird dudes in my house. But uh, so a couple hours later, I hear a guy say, sir? And I was like, hey, yeah, what's up? Uh, what can I do for you? And he's like, oh, I was just kind of thinking, I saw your car parked out front and 
I really wish we could have popped into your TARDIS and found another designated time and space to uh, oh, maybe nice. install thought... this heater when oh, it might have been a little warmer outside. Dope. <laughs> I was like, I busted I was like, up Wait, laughing. Is he going to be like another one and be like, oh, are you a police officer? Are you, are you an undercover cop? <laughs> That's awesome. Fucking no, it, it was a very, very Sick. much needed uh, laugh that I had. And he's just like, yeah, I had to, man. Sorry, I just had to make the comment because you don't Listen see a lot of those John license plates. out there is going to love this story. Yeah. Oh, God, it was, yeah, it was hilarious, man. So... And Leslie, but, for Oh, for sure, for sure. But uh, anyway, amidst all that chaos, Steve, you called me Monday and you gave me some incredibly good news. So why don't we just shift gears and let's just yeah. uh, let's chat you up a little bit, dude. It's been a weird couple of weeks since we had a show. Sean mm-hmm. had that shit go on. Preston's still recovering from his, his loss. And then um, I've been applying for jobs pretty frequently mm-hmm. uh, during the COVID months. And not being able to find something, had an opportunity as an Amazon delivery driver, pretty much got hired, um, pretty excited about it, and then get the call that they rescinded the offer because of some bullshit reason in the company. So, <laughs> happened again. I was like, fuck, fuck this. Mm-hmm. I uh, deleted my Indeed.com profile. I deleted my resume. I completely gave up. And was like, fuck this shit, I'm done. Uh, a couple days, I go to work that weekend. It's pretty goddamn brutal. That's unfortunately the same weekend that all that <laughs> all that snow and ice and cold and <laughs> yeah, Sean's, it, Sean's it, tragedy exactly. and all this shit. Yeah. And uh um I get home on Monday and I'm just like, I'm just I'm just fucking defeated, man. Like I'm in I'm at home the entire day. It's just playing games and sitting on my ass. Uh, that night, I get up and I grab my phone and I look at my phone and there's a notification from Facebook, the only app that obviously I didn't delete, but I didn't take off the job notifications. Right. And there was one that said, Mortuary Transport Services. And I was like, what? I was like, I can drive. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah, right. I, it's always something I've been interested in. And uh, mm-hmm. I click the apply button. I've never done that on Facebook before. And Facebook's pretty hilarious because it's going to be easy to weed out people because they're going to see your profile. So whatever's public on your profile, they're going to see, uh, which is a good thing. I think it lets you, right. s- it gives you pretty much a clear indication of who this person is. And, uh, well, for the most part in theory, uh, um, right, right. And then it also like auto fills your application. So like my schooling on Facebook is Hogwarts. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to manually go in there right. and uncheck that. And when you do that, um, that instantly lets the employer know that like attention to detail because you knew how to fill that out. So it's also lets them know you're not a wizard. It's like a test in itself. Yeah. Yeah. That they know of. Um, (laughs) So I sent my resume over and uh, within like 30 minutes, I got a message on Facebook and instantly vibed with the owner and, and the owner's wife. And it was really cool. And uh, yeah, it uh, went in for an interview and it is the most awesome interview ever. Pretty yeah, much yeah. started the next day. And yeah. um, in, I love it. I've never in my life, I'm, I'm telling y'all, I've never in my life felt this way about a job. And I know that sounds crazy because knowing me, I don't like to work. I'm pretty lazy. I worked eight, eight, eight to seven today. And, and I... It, well, you say that, man, but you've been working... Yeah, you've been working in an industry Bleak. that demands a lot of you. 
Um, not just your, your, I mean, your, your mental prowess, your mental strength, um, compassion. So, I mean, I, you you work hard. You might not be out there digging holes all day or digging ditches, but you do work hard. So don't, yeah, don't think you don't mental, work hard. More but, mental, mental than like yeah. physical. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I mean, what I do is, is, uh, I'm the person that will go to, you know, the facility, the home, um, the morgue funeral home and, and transport the deceased to and from their destination, whether that be funeral home, uh, storage, you know, until temporary for cremation or hold or whatever the case may be. Um, and I also do house calls, you know, after someone's either, you know, someone's obviously deceased and mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, whether it's hospice or something else. And like, it's, it's, it's extremely rewarding. It is. And I feel like, I get best of both worlds. I get a really good team, which is very important to me. Very, mm-hmm. very awesome coworkers. I've never vibed with anyone, and they're probably listening right now. And they're like, "You're really serious <laughs> about this, aren't you?" And yeah, like it. It. Uh, it oh, no doubt. It's dope, and it's it's so fucking refreshing to have people have your back and that get you because with this with this job, I work with the mortuary services, so we also do embalming and cremation. So you. Mm-hmm. It does. It takes a special kind of person. I've been told that for the past 15 years of my fucking life with the job that I've done in the developmental intellectually disabled field. It takes a special person to do that. I don't believe so. I I once thought that, but I don't believe that Mm -hmm. because of the way things have changed. For me, personally. It's still a a wonderful job, and I don't want to detour anybody away from employment there if, if you wanted to go down that route. But like mm-hmm. with this, I get to have the compassion with the families. I get to have yeah. the compassion with my coworkers and just knowing that I'm serving my community still, because that's very important to me. One of my love languages yeah. is, 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 you know, helping people. And like, I don't know what you would call that. You know, like I like, I put others before myself, always have and always will. It's just who yeah. I am. And, yeah. You're very supportive. And like, dude, this job is so fucking awesome. So I'm always mm-hmm. on call. The days I'm on, I get a call. I have to go. So in the podcast, if we're recording and <laughs> it gets weird and I just randomly drop out and Sean has to do a quick edit, that's the case. <laughs> so we'll do our best to do transition <laughs> with that. Uh, uh, good. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I, it's it's a great it's a great job, and I'm learning so much. Uh, I, I don't do embalmings, but I've I get to you know, observe if I want and ask questions mm-hmm. and it's very interesting and it's very, uh, it's just cool, man. Like, and, and knowing that I'm the skeptic of, of us three, like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I think I'm perfect for the job, man. Cause like, I don't, I want to <laughs> believe in ghosts and spirits yeah. and shit, man. But that, that stuff doesn't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I yeah, can yeah. be around a deceased person and, and not feel, feel weird. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, uh, oh, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, go back real quick to what you said about your previous uh, line of work, too. That job has changed and um, evolved, um, so unfortunately, much. for some, yeah, so yeah. much in, in, in some bad ways. But take away all that and go back to when you first joined um, that actual industry. Like, I think it does take a special person to deal with people. Yeah. 
um, who are disabled physically and mentally, uh, very much so. But like you said, unfortunately, it's changed a lot. Uh, it's yeah. not so much what it was when you first joined that uh, exactly that and job. With, so and with this job, like I never thought I was going to be in the death business or the mortuary business. You know, we 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 talked about it. You know, you, either you or Preston had a guy you knew that was a mortician you were going to interview, and and yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's not something I ever planned, but I was always intrigued by it. And like, I mean, it's yeah. no secret. I watch horror movies. I watch killing movies and shows and games and all that stuff. And like, it's just, it, I don't know, man. And like, I don't know, it's it's just so I'm so excited. I can't even like piece it <laughs> yeah. piece the shit together. Like, it's just yeah. it feels so good to be at a, a job that you actually enjoy. And and I'd, I'd point out, Steve, that in like in the last. What year and a half? When did you apply for that uh, that one gaming job? Was that about a year ago? Uh, it was yep. yeah. Well, March is when I uh, yeah. With March sixteenth is when I was told that yeah I wasn't going to be working there. So yeah, so I think I think I think the universe kind of had your yeah. I think the universe kind of had your back on that. Like it felt like it kept punching in the dick, but like it basically <laughs> was lining you up for this little yeah. golden nugget. So yeah. Steve, but, I would like but, to point out it was actually Friday the thirteenth when you got that bad news about the job uh last year. Yeah, you're right. The sixteenth is when I was supposed to start. You're right, you're right, you're yep. right. Yeah. Yep. I'm still not I still don't believe in that number, all that bad luck bullshit. So <laughs> I No, I don't necessarily was, either, but I I had it has I had nothing to do with like, that number. It has everything to do with COVID nineteen. <laughs> Jason, dude. Jason the whole time. But yeah. no, it's been great. I uh I was I was off at home. Um, like I said, Shayla was safe at her parents' house and me and the cat were at the, at our house and I was juggling and cycling, you know, these four different space heaters. And for the first time in a long time, I was on Xbox in the afternoon because what Soli and I did was hunker under a mountain of blankets and play Xbox all afternoon. And then Soli I sat remember... on top of the Xbox for heat. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Damn near. Like cats uh, do. But yeah, but you know, you called me and you're just like, dude, uh, something crazy just happened. I got, a, I think I might have a job. <laughs> and I'm like, that's amazing. What are you going to be doing? And you're like, I still can't believe it, man. Like, it's going to be doing driving service for a, a mortuary. And you know, it's just, it's just so cool, man. Like, yeah, just the universe man. is is a, is an interesting uh, thing, I guess. The way things align sometimes. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, it's not, it's not like, I mean, it's it's tough work too, man. Because like. Sure. Uh, you know, it's not just a- anybody of any age and size can pass away. <laughs> and sure, but it's cool. Sure. It's cool to be in in a field that is old as time. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. And like when you were saying earlier, like that other job that I had for so long has changed so much in ways that I don't agree with. Um, sure. And then this this position. I mean, what are you gonna? Do? <laughs> you can't reinvent the wheel on. This, right. This shit, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. it's it's very interesting to see like the stuff that I'm seeing doing here. Yeah. Is like exactly what you see in movies. So the people yeah. that show up, you know, like you think of a corner. No, it's like, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's man. rad, man. I, it's going to, it's going to, you know, present, I'm sure very unique challenges along the way. You know, but that's going to be, I don't know, you're in a good atmosphere to um, accept those challenges and rise to those challenges, knowing that you have an environment now that's supportive of both you and that you can be supportive of them and welcome challenges, not already be in a bad headspace 
and then have to have something else just, you know, slap you across the face in this instance, like mm-hmm. you're going to, you, you've got a very good base behind you. So it's like, oh yeah, this is nothing. This is just a problem I got to solve. And I, I think you'll do that, man. I think you'll do that very well. For sure, man. Hell yeah. Well, congrats, dude. We needed a win. You needed a win. And it finally, finally happened. Fuck yeah, man. But no, yeah, if you have to duck out, man, just so be it, you know? We'll have a contingency plan for Preston and I to take over any of your uh, beloved speaking parts. Yeah. So have have you guys watched the Elisa Lamb documentary yet? Yes. yes. Okay, cool. Let's have a, a little chat about that because that kind of leads into our main story um, and the reason why I picked the, the the main story for this episode. But um, what did you guys think about it? Did you guys like it? Did you hate it? What What kind of qualms did you have with it? Those fucking hotel people are crooked as shit, and they're behind Ooh. it 100%. Damn. All right. Out the Whoa. out the gate, man. We're off to the races. Damn. Preston's there. <laughs> okay. All right. Hold on. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say that you're clearly no, wrong no, on? I'm joking. You're clearly Steve. wrong on? Wow. <laughs> okay. First off, Mr. Web Sleuth over here. Uh, oh. I, okay. So, like, I watched this. I watched this, and I really liked it, because I remember talking about it on the show We've talked about you and Corey did that episode. We've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. It's a very popular topic, especially within like paranormal worlds and like weird shit worlds. Um, yeah, yeah. I I watched that and like as each episode goes on, I'm like I'm like, can we talk to like actual investigators, please, and like police and and therapists? Yeah, not fucking web sleuths and YouTube content creators. And yeah. it made me really angry. And then I had to, I mean, like I even text, I told Sean, I was like, it makes me rethink what we do is on this podcast because I don't mm-hmm. ever want to be looked at like that. And, but then as the, as the documentary goes on and there were other, I looked on Reddit and there were people saying the exact same thing. People that shut the documentary off and wouldn't even mm-hmm. return to it. And then I'm glad I stopped reading the comments on that. Cause I was like, no, I mean, I'm going to finish it myself. Cause I want to see what, what goes on. And they do redeem themselves towards the end. And I'm gonna sure, and I'm gonna sure. say that now. I'm gonna spoil it for people because I think there's gonna be people out there that do feel the same way. When it comes to this stuff, like you don't want to be looked at as hokey, you know? Okay, like, sure. I sure. feel I that like the that, stuff yeah. we talk about, we do, we keep like I'm the skeptic. You guys are the true believers, <laughs> and and then <laughs> and then like we we you know we joke around stuff, but we get serious about stuff. And there's some stuff that we all do we all do believe on and stuff like that. And I think that's the way to approach it. But there's some people that just have this shit so hokey. And where this yeah. documentary, you know, they talk about it being paranormal, mental illness, stuff like this. Um, I totally believe that this poor woman was, you know, experienced severe, severe mental illness episodes, bring her into psychosis probably. And yeah. then um, it all boils down to um, a key piece, a key piece of the puzzle uh, getting mis misconstrued. So there's a yeah. scene where the police, like lead chief investigator, whatever, is being interviewed by the media, and then he's basically giving this story as the Cecil Hotel, as it happened, and he says there was a young woman found in a water tank with the lid. Uh, well, I appear, or he says, I'm uh, I'm uh, with what appeared to be the lid closed, and then. That's what the media ran with. So it's that, that, that. And they put that on the internet. They put oh, it on yeah. news. And they ran it, ran it, ran it. And then when they went back and they looked at the notes, the case notes, and they interviewed the Hispanic gentleman that was the janitor, 
They, they looked at his statement given at that time, at the time that he gave the statement. That's what it was, Sean, when you asked me on, on the pod, on the Xbox chat. At okay, the time yeah. he gave his statement to the police, he said, went up, climbed the ladder to check on the water, looked down. There's the lady laying face up in the water, naked. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I stepped back down. Nowhere in his statement did he say, lifted the lid, took the lid off. Yeah. That, it was a it was a fucking and then that was the firestorm after that. Because mm-hmm. people because people you can explain the creepy looking weird um video, you know, from the elevator, in my opinion. Um I have a mother who is mentally ill. And when she goes into the psychosis shit, that shit with the hands, all that weird movement, that hiding in the corner shit, all fucking real, man. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's like, but it also looks like someone's being possessed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Or talking right. to a spirit. So I see where people get that. But when you put that mixed with mixed with that little, that misconstrued thing in the media thing, I fully mm-hmm. believe this is just a case of of a very sad incident with a woman probably trying, like they described, is trying to hide from something. Somehow found her way up there and thought, oh, man, maybe I can hide in here. Maybe I can swim. And then eventually trying to get out. There's no way to get out because that. And you just die in there. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the I whole believe. problem with that, yeah. The whole thing with that story, what made it so paranormal in nature you know years ago was you know the creepy video of the elevator yeah the fact that you know they said she was found in the water tank but i remember back when i first heard about it off of um the news they were saying like the lid was almost you know rusted shut and there was no way she could have lifted that it was too heavy for her to lift by herself yeah i remember that's what had made it so crazy yeah 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 i remember because cory that's cory on here You guys yeah, Corey and I talked about that. Gosh, um, the episode we put out on August 16th, 2016, uh, it'd be basically episode like eight, because that's back when we tried doing like season two, episode two, you know, we were trying to do this in seasons. But um, yeah, Corey and I talked about that. And that was part of, those were the facts that I had, was like, there was no way she could have snuck past the fire escape, and there's no way she mm-hmm. could have got through the fire door, and there's no way she could have lifted the lid. And that's what stood out to me too. I went back and rewatched it after you told me, uh, Steve, and you're right. Like that part was misconstrued. The yeah. media, the news, even even the police in the beginning were saying, like, oh yeah, the lid is closed. And I and I think that's why with especially with this documentary, is that I mean, every, everything's on the nose now in, in yeah. media and movies and TV. So part of the thing is showing how that culture of web sleuthing cre- created, how they destroyed a man's life, yep, and then how the media played their part, you know, and the yep. same with the documentary of the Night Stalker, the media, pl- and then so that's, that's why it's important. They're showing, they're trying to relay that message to people that you know the media, you know, the media is the media. And we all know yeah, exactly. what, what what that means these days. And I think that that's another th- reason why these documentaries are important. But I just, I, I mean, like watching that and watching what they did to that weird rocker, whatever, edgy, edgy Yeah, he's dude. a death metal rocker. Yeah, and like, you know, like I, and see what they did to him. That, that, that made me so angry, 
so angry. Yeah. Because me too. like just to just to judge somebody so much because of that. Like, dude, do you know where yep. you mean you're in fucking California, dude? People walk up and down them streets all day long, <laughs> like an edgy yeah. board like that just to get some tips. You know what I'm saying? Like That was quite a reach too. I mean, that was just he stumbled in and fell right in their lap and they're like, Oh my god, this guy's different and sings about death. Yeah. He has to be the murderer. But and I like, think Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I think that, I think that web sleuths and air quotes, you know, have their place. They are important because if you watch that Don't Fuck With Cats mm-hmm. documentary, I mean, yep. they helped that was greatly in, yeah. Yeah, in solving that case. Um, I think with um, the Golden State Killer and Michelle McNamara, mm-hmm. uh, she pretty much solved that case, you know, and with her steadfastness and her hard work, like, that's one of the biggest reasons that case was solved. They're, they have their place clearly, but when they all line up at like a firing squad and they find somebody and then someone catches a whiff and then it's just like this shared psychosis almost, this hive yeah, mind of like, yep, weird, that has it's to be dangerous. the killer because it makes sense to me. You know, the way you explain it sounds good to me, so you can't be wrong. Yeah. And like you said, they all, but I mean, they pretty much ruined that guy's life. Hopefully, you know, they don't really talk about him in an epilogue yeah, after I everything. So if he that dude. Yeah, man. Jeez, that's the problem there. The other, the other part is, you know, we've we've just did it again here. We're talking so much about this lamb, and and it's important because you know she's deceased, and it's a very important case. But I think yeah. that the other thing is like I'm scrolling through Facebook. Um, anytime something's popular, you're gonna see ads for it, and I am damn tired of seeing paranormal Cecil Hotel, the most paranormal ever. Like, no, there is nothing paranormal about that hotel that parent that hotel is a victim of gentrification mm-hmm. and poverty and homelessness yeah. that's it nothing well, no else. there i mean i i would say that there have been a lot of documented murders there now i'm but, not saying it's the stanley what? hotel and uh, of people people with suicides and murder and stuff like that have, i mean have occurred there because of gentrification and oh sure okay yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah what, that's what i'm saying like i'm not saying that like okay like Yes, the skeptic, you know, like, if somebody was murdered there in a bad fashion, they could haunt that place. True. Right, right. But, like, them trying to coin that this is so haunted because of this one famous case. Can okay, I see what you're saying. all these other yeah, cases yeah. that are popping up, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's been so many, yeah. quote-unquote, documented cases of the Stanley, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of people, of what, they've, of what they've heard or seen or witnessed there. Yeah. I never yeah, heard of, of the course. Cecil Hotel until this, until this happened. I, I knew about it back in the 90s whenever I was reading about Richard Ramirez, but that's, again, because I was a little ghoul in, true. Uh, in the middle I school. Guess, well, I guess, with him. You said that's true. No, 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 <laughs> that you were but, I mean, ghoul. again, <laughs> that's very specific and coincidental that they mentioned that. Yeah, uh, and it happens it's to just, be the hotel that she died at. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's not. It's never been built as a be like, hotel. It would be like Preston going to, like, that fucking hotel in El Dorado, that, or not the hotel, the downtown, like, the big building I don't remember what the hell that building's called. It'd be like, this is the most haunted building in El Dorado. Like, where's your proof, Preston? <laughs> like, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I mean, to be fair, above um, what is now called Robbins, that used to be Lassiter's, yeah. my buddy Mac and his fam, uh, Mac and his family owned Lassiter's, and we used to go upstairs in the second story where they did a lot of uh, storage, and we found out through some research that there used to be a dental office up there above. 
uh, what is Lassiter's clothing. Mm. And dude, we found all sorts of weird shit. We found bones, like jaw bones. We found human teeth, all sorts of shit. So maybe. Mm. I mean, maybe it was a, a dentist office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might find so, teeth in such such a thing. You telling me, like, <laughs> dude, you could find the janitor to sweep that shit up. Like, that's what yeah. you're gonna leave. <laughs> Did you guys get everything? Oh yeah, I left a couple, uh, you know, burned out light couple, bulbs and a few uh, handful of teeth. Yeah, a couple crowns. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, what is that? A mole? Oh, yeah, no maybe problem. a mandible. Who knows? Yeah. Sean, you were right. It was episode eight, and you titled it "Water to Water Everywhere, but Not a Drop to Drink." Hey, yeah. Uh huh. Look at yeah. that. I've got a mind like a steel trap. Preston, what'd you think about it? Any anything to add to that? No, um, you know, honestly, I was kind of disappointed in the documentary primarily because you you know we do do this show and it was one of the topics that we covered and um and just to see kind of like what steve said like to what what, they didn't mention us is that what you're (laughs) no (laughs) they already covered us on episode eight Just, just the fact that like all the internet sleuths, like you know, the one guy, like he was like, "Oh, I just love her so much, and this is just so horrible," and he got so fixated on her that he overlooked a lot of things, and it, I don't know, kind of gives what we do a bad rap because you know we we love but these I topics. I think we... it's important towards the end of the documentary, and we are spoiling for people, but I it, it's topical, so I don't give a shit. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Well, um, I hang on a second. Important. I want to put a disclaimer. Well, I don't. I wouldn't attach what what we do in air quotes to these internet sleuths because worst case on our most judgmental episodes. Yeah, I'm not researching. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, we, right. we we do a little bit of research. And no, I I'm mean, saying I'm not researching like to the point where I'm going to solve whether or not oh, okay. somebody saw like, a, a, a chupacabra yeah. in Peru. <laughs> but I was going to say, like, yeah, we, we've also never gone on record and been like, also, it was, you know, Scott Landis who committed the murder. Right. Oh, I yeah. know he did because he wore jinkos and had pogs with skulls on them. But I mean, <laughs> to, the, but to the general public, though, I, I think there it, there's that fine line that's hard to distinguish. So because of the topics that you're covering, you know, like a general, you're just kind of lump summing all of us together. And so the the fact that all those guys like it it was all like you know podcasts it was all you know YouTube shows and they just they they did they got it wrong and then you but know they did. towards the end like I was gonna say is my spoiler territory but like towards the end they do redeem themselves like they admit mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. maybe one didn't but like most of them admit that like hey we fucked up. Yeah, and we have okay. to separate ourselves from, it. and and I think that's good. So sorry if that spoils for anything about anybody, but I, I think it's important to talk about this because it will turn people off. I could easily see people turning that off in like the second or third episode because you're like, oh, we were rolling our eyes halfway through yeah, the yeah, entire yeah, series because we're just like, like fuck, like go back yeah. to the police, get back to the FBI. I don't want to hear about mm-hmm. fucking Johnny YouTube saying yeah. hey, I've I've documented this and this, and if you look at the video, it kind of. Looks kind of funny because you can see a shoe. But do you see the importance of them doing that? Like, so they they captivated you as an audience member for you and your wife to roll your eyes, and then <laughs> towards the end to wrap it up and reel you back into like, okay, you know, you still might not respect them, web sleuths and them YouTube creators, but you're like, okay, I kind of have a little bit more respect for them because you admitted that you were wrong and you're changing your ways. 
Well, I that's, that's I true. That's, that's important, yeah. especially with what we deal with right now in our in our lives in our mm-hmm. society. That's true. That yeah, it's important. It's important to admit acknowledge, when you're wrong. admit when you're wrong, and move on with your life and repair. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I, I was disappointed with the fact that like they they briefly touched on the fact that that bookstore that she visited to get her last, books, the last stop bookstore. Oh my, what a creepy name. That's right. that's the part that interests me is the synchronicities, and I like that they did that in the documentary, and then but, also talked about that weird shit. When you go on their at when you go on their website and look up their address, it's uh, coordinates, and those coordinates uh, end up being the cemetery that she's buried in in Canada. So again, like, very strange, right? Yeah, right. And so the and then it's like, oh, there's that paranormal shit that I want you guys to just go into death on, and then you're mm-hmm. then you just give me all this other bullshit. And then, it was like two minutes. <laughs> well, that's why we should maybe we. Yeah. Maybe we should be web sleuths and we could have been on it because the only other thing that really kind of shocked me and made me go, hmm, was the tuberculosis kit they were using to, you know, go through and swab everybody in Skid Row was called the Lamb Dot Alisa kit. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of strange again, kind of. a But I mean, they, they really just barely glaze over it. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a tuberculosis kit they were using and then the coordinates go to the cemetery. And we're really sorry for ruining this guy's life. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they wait, should have brought up? in them. They should have brought in the experts of synchronicities. Yeah, the man. Hell, yeah. The, the water, water everywhere. The hell your team. Yeah. <laughs> should have called Corey, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, anyway, it was it was well done. I mean, it's a decently done documentary. It's just again, I don't need to hear about fucking all these YouTube stars doing this web sleuthing. Like, go back to the actual police. So anyway, in, in talking about the Elisa Lamb documentary and that story, there's another really weird story that I came across um, probably a year ago, year and a half ago. Have either of you ever read up or heard about the story of the Ericsson twins from um, Sweden? Nope. You sent me the article and I promised you I was going to read it mm-hmm. because you gave me a Sean synopsis and uh-huh. I never read it. So I'm going to be on the seat of my pants. <laughs> That's fair. The, that's fair. You know, but at least you're consistent because you always break your promises to me that you're going to read stuff. Yep. <laughs> and that's what I appreciate about you is your consistency. Okay, so this story is very similar uh, in nature to the Elisa Lamb case as far as bizarre behavior, um, really unexplained actions of people who otherwise seem like they're normal, so to speak. So tonight's story is the story of the Erickson twins. It's about a set of identical twins named Sabrina and Ursula, I'm sorry, Sabina and Ursula Erickson, both born on November 3rd, 1967 in Sune, Varmland, Sweden. Both otherwise normal, healthy, functioning members of society led normal lives with no history to that point of mental illness or anything else that really stood out as odd or bizarre behavior. In the year 2000, Ursula was living in the United States, and Sabina was living in Ireland. On May of 2008, the two sisters decided that way too much time had gone by, and they needed to catch up. So Ursula flew over to Ireland for a much-needed visit at her sister's house. Now at first, it was a pretty normal trip. 
There was nothing wrong or off that would lead anybody to suspect that this was anything other than a normal family visit. But soon after Ursula's arrival, things were about to switch to anything but normal. Shortly after the two Erickson sisters were reunited, they spontaneously decided to take a trip to Liverpool, England. It was a bit odd because they didn't tell anybody about the trip, they never planned it. They just decided to embark on it hours after meeting up, seemingly on a whim. So they packed their bags and took a ferry to Liverpool, where they arrived on May 17th, 2008. On the first leg of their journey, they arrived and stopped at the police station because the night before, Sabina had a fight with her husband and she told the police she wanted them to check to see if her kids were okay. So far, so good, right? Then the two sisters got on a National Express coach to London around 11.30 a.m., and this is where things start to go off the rails. The bus driver would claim that neither of them would let go of their bags. They kept clutching them closely in a very protective manner, and they also both complained they were feeling sick. The bus driver thought it was all pretty weird and suggested they should still go ahead and check their baggage like everybody else. Their bags would be safe. Nobody would steal their stuff. But the twins absolutely refused. So the driver made an unscheduled stop and kicked them both off the bus at the Keel service station. Once at Keel, they continued their odd behavior, stumbling around, clutching their bags, and acting generally erratically. And so an employee at the station then called the police thinking that these two may be carrying bombs because of their bizarre behavior and the fact that they didn't want to set their bags down. However, when the cops arrived and spoke to them, the twins seemed perfectly fine. They were calm, they were normal acting, and so no action was taken against them. But when the police left, Ursula and Sabina seemed to be normal, but not for too long, because things were about to launch into the weird. The two walked off on foot towards the nearby M6 motorway, a rather busy highway, where they unexplainably walked straight out into the busy roadway and began walking down along the central median line. So this would be kind of like us going going to Kellogg and just trying to walk down between the two highways. Ugh. Yeah, just pick, pick, your, pick your busiest highway wherever you're at, listeners, and just imagine trying to walk down between, you know, oncoming and the traffic coming from behind you. It'd be terrifying. This was no doubt unusual, and so it caught the attention of nearby police who came back yet again to assist the obviously troubled women. But when the officers approached, chaos broke out. With no warning or obvious reason, the twins suddenly ran out and tried to run across the busy motorway. With Ursula making it safely to the other side but Sabina not being quite as lucky. She was hit by an oncoming car and knocked down to the ground in the middle of the heavy traffic. Uh, unbelievably, though, she got right back up like nothing had happened, and the two twins then dashed out into traffic one more time, this time both of them being mowed down by vehicles. Ursula was actually hit so hard by a truck, her shoes flew off, and both her legs were instantly crushed by the motor vehicle. Officers from the Highway Agency and Central Motorway Police Group were now swarming the bizarre scene, rushing to assist the two twins, 
with Ursula, who was obviously seriously injured, and Sabina, now sprawled out unconscious and motionless in the middle of the oncoming traffic. Paramedics came in to help the two wounded twins, but as they were providing assistance, Ursula began acting extremely aggressively. She was cursing, spitting, even kicking them with her broken legs. During this fit, she managed to cry out, I recognize you. I know you're not real. Sabina, who until then had been out cold, suddenly regained consciousness and went berserk, jumping into action, punching, kicking paramedics and police officers, while she was cryptically shouting, Why do you kill me? <laughs> she sounds like she sounds like the Zaragoza goblin. <laughs> <laughs> She managed to break free, and then she started screaming, They're going to try to steal your organs! Sabina then careened back out into the motorway, shouting for help at passing cars, until she was finally restrained and sedated after a tense standoff in which she actually got into a fighting stance and attacked anybody who approached her. Amazingly, though, the whole thing was captured on camera by a small television crew who happened to be there filming an episode of a reality show called Motorway Cops. Wow. With some of the officers who were responding. The two injured twins were then brought to a hospital in Stoke-on-Trent for treatment and questioning. But the story doesn't end here. Now, there's a photo there, an actual snapshot of one of the twins trying to run out in traffic. And look at the, like, so her right foot that's on the ground mm -hmm. closest to the right, the white line there, like, that looks normal. But then look at the other foot, like, it looks like it's twisted. Like, that's the yeah. one that's, like, broken. And she's just like, like yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty unsettling. Yeah. Oh. Ugh. Well, after the incident at the motorway, Sabina calmed down substantially. And after being treated for what were unbelievably only minor injuries... And after a minor court session, she was sentenced just to one day in custody without any psychiatric evaluation and facing no real punishment for what had happened out on the motorway. Despite the fact that she had caused accidents and had struck police officers, her day of custody was considered to be time already spent and she was released from custody and walked out a free woman just five hours after arriving at the hospital. What the hell? Yeah. Fuck that. So, <laughs> it, it's bizarre, right? Maybe a little slip up of the old police here. And what happened to the now, sister? Ah, uh, we'll get there. Sabina, not knowing anybody in the strange town that she was in, called Stoke-on-Trent. She had no real idea where she was, and she just sort of wandered around aimlessly. And the next chapter of the story, you guessed it, it gets even weirder. As Sabina wandered around the city streets in a daze, she was approached by a good Samaritan named Glenn Hollensheed, a 54-year-old, who was out walking his dog along with his friend named Peter Malloy. Hollensheed offered to take her back to his house and help her, and so the three went back to his home. At this time, Sabina was once again calm, relaxed, and she was even playing with the dog, and she explained to the two men that she was stranded out there trying to find her lost sister. Now, after this, shortly, she began to act erratically again, pacing around the house, 
constantly checking out the windows like she was suspecting something bad was going to happen any minute. They said she started acting very paranoid, even taking back some of the cigarettes she had offered the men earlier, realizing that they might, quote, be poisoned. Malloy would later claim that he thought at the time that the adult woman was perhaps running from somebody, maybe an abusive boyfriend or a spouse, and seeing as he didn't have any real reason to think she was actually that dangerous, he had decided to head home and left Sabina and Hollandsheed alone at Hollandsheed's house. The next day, Hollandsheed called Malloy to tell him he was going to try to help Sabina find his sister that day. And so she had been seen acting normally, even speaking to neighbors in a friendly manner and not acting scared anymore or nervous. It was a totally normal behavior that made all... Uh, blah, blah, blah. This totally normal behavior made everything much stranger when Hollandsheed would be seen later stumbling out of his house, bleeding profusely and shouting, She stabbed me! He then collapsed and died right on that spot. He'd been stabbed five times. While this is going on, Sabina was fleeing the scene in a mad dash with a roof tile from the home stuffed in her pocket, and she was wielding a hammer that she had also stolen from the house, which she waved around, and she would periodically smash herself in the head with. At some Jesus. point during Yeah. At some point during the crazy fight, a passerby tried to stop her, only to get hit across the head with the roofing tile. But oddly, not the hammer. I would think you'd use the hammer, not the roofing tile. But, you know, I wasn't there. There's a picture there of Mr. Hollandsheed. The police were soon in hot pursuit of the troubled young woman, and they chased her down to a bridge where they thought they had her cornered. This would turn out to be wrong as she then climbed over the railing and jumped down over 40 feet to the busy roadway below a feat that somehow, miraculously, she managed to survive, although it left her with two broken ankles and a fractured skull. And so Sabina's flight was brought to an end, and she was once again taken to a hospital for treatment, after which she was promptly arrested and put on trial on September of 2009. <sighs> although she would plead guilty to the crime of manslaughter, she would give no explanation at all for the bizarre behavior nor her motive for killing Mr. Hollandsheet. Now, people say the trial was a bit of a farce in the sense, as the extensive footage taken from the M6 incident was not used as court evidence, and so she was found to have diminished responsibility as it was ruled that she had suffered a bout of, quote, shared psychosis with her sister, known moreover as fully adieu. French for a madness of two, although she was considered sane at the actual trial. So in the end, despite the fact that she had brutally murdered an innocent man, Sabina Erickson was judged to have a low culpability for her actions and was sentenced to a short prison stint of just five years, most of which was again considered time served. She was released later in 2011 and then just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth, her whereabouts unknown. Her sister Ursula was eventually released from the hospital and never charged with any crime. Moving back with her family 
and she also never offered anything in the way of an explanation as to what happened. In the aftermath of the incident and the trial, there's been much debate on the discussion of what went on. What caused the two twins to do what they did? There is no evidence found, no drugs, no alcohol could be tested in their system, and they had no history of any kind of substance abuse or mental illness to that point. So what exactly happened? Why did they suddenly go berserk on a frenzied bout of madness? Was it a psychotic snap, the shared psychosis, or something else unexplainable? Their older brother Leon would later cryptically state that they were being, quote, chased by maniacs. But this could never actually be proven, and he never elaborated further about what he meant. Adding to all this would be the fact that it would seem that Sabina should have never been released from custody the first time she was brought in in the first place. Despite her insane behavior out on the motorway, she was never subjected to any sort of mental evaluation, and furthermore, according to the law, she could have been held in custody indefinitely until one was carried out. So it gets even more interesting when you consider that the piece of footage from the M6 incident was oddly left out. Two police officers said that Sabina should most definitely be held for a mental evaluation, which they call a 136. Why this was never done and why this was not included in the official footage has never been explained. But in the meantime, Holland Sheed's brother, Gary, has lamented the fact that Sabina was never assessed. And he went on to say, We don't hold her responsible, the same as we wouldn't blame a rabid dog for biting someone. She is ill and to a large degree not responsible for her actions, but her mental disorder should have been recognized much earlier. I do question the criminal justice system for allowing somebody like this to be let out when she's capable of committing such a crime. Her mental condition should have been properly assessed after what she did on the motorway and the ex experiences the police had. Her mental disorder should have been picked up prior to her being let out to the community. Glenn saw Eccleson in distress and was trying to help. He wasn't slow in coming forward to help somebody in distress. It was in his nature. He was trying to help. He would help anybody. If he saw a fight in the street and a guy was losing, he would help. And that is the story of the Erickson twins. Damn, dude. It's wild. The fact yeah. that she's uh, like like Casey Anthony, like nobody knows what happened to Casey Anthony. Like she just kind of disappeared. Like where's this girl at? Is mm -hmm. she out there smashing hammers into her face? Like, <laughs> I want to know. Well, those are answers I just don't have, buddy. Well, Dick I'd Tracy, like to... get on it. <laughs> low rent, <laughs> low rent, Dick Tracy. Um, uh, we should, you know, go ahead and mention before we go any farther that uh, anybody, everybody should take mental health very serious. There's no shame in making phone calls, calling doctors, seeing psychiatrists, uh, seeing therapists, taking medicine, all that, man. We got to end the stigma of mental health. And if you guys yourself think you need help or somebody you know might need help, the NAMI, National Alliance on Mental, Mental Illness, has a phone number you can call, 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 
1-800-242-6264. They're open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Or you can send an email anytime to info at nami.org. Yeah, I'd like to do some more reading on uh, Folie Adieu and find out other cases. I'm sure there's probably quite a few that have happened. There's also a Folie à toi, and there's also a uh, shared psychosis for four, but I can't think of the French word for four. Hmm. But yeah, and most of that info I got um, was from Mysterious Universe from one of their articles about that case. Um, they seem to have the very best written story. Um, other articles would leave out quite a few bits and pieces here and there. So um, as I was retyping everything from the two or three websites I found, I stumbled upon the Mysterious Universe article and thought, well, hell, it's already right here. There's no point in rewriting all this stuff. So got to give them credit where credit is due. It's it's just so bizarre, man, to to think about how injured you are breaking both your legs, having them both ran over, and then trying to kick somebody. Like, I'm not laughing at the situation. I'm just saying, how insane is that? So, do you think, like, uh, just like in the what was that uh, movie that Adam Sandler did, like Twins or whatever it was, and they had like their uh, uh, what was it called, Steve? Oh, oh Jack and uh, Jill. Oh, the movie's terrible. Yeah. I love yeah. Adam Sandler. That movie's terrible. Bogoto, Bogoto, Moto. Like, yeah. do you think like they had like that superpower and like the other one knows where the other one is that's missing and she just doesn't want to say? Uh, she's I got, don't like, the, know. <laughs> she's got she's got the twin GPS going on. She's like, oh, that bitch is hiding out. I know. Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe she just went off the radar and she's. Living in some farming community or just gardens all day long. Yeah. Maybe she started like her own community like in midsummer. Ah, <laughs> there we go. I bet that's what happened. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, well, it's good to be back, folks. Sorry we had to take that week off. It's kind of a bummer, but uh, there was just no way around it. I wasn't about to freed my gizzards off trying to record in that room i think uh i think the office and the bedroom both probably got to be about 30 degrees Ugh. yeah i'm surprised i've got a i've got a squid in a preserved jar of alcohol on my shelf and i kept getting worried it was going to freeze and then i remembered that it's an alcohol not formaldehyde so that's good i don't know if formaldehyde freezes steve put on the back burner <laughs> well you don't know yet but you might discover yeah, yet that. Yet. Right. Yep, cool. Awesome. All right. Well, guys, got anything else to add? Should we plug some stuff and get out of here? Plug it and get out of here. Cool. All right. Steve, what do you got, man? Anything? Okay, check out our uh, Facebook page, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Um, I also do a plug. Oh, yeah. I met a guy today in a at a vape store my coworker goes to. Um, apparently, he does paranormal investigations. His Ooh, okay. card says Phantoms Keep Beneath the Sheet. I uh, met with a man named Max Laird. He's the founder, lead investigator. So, and looks like they have a Facebook page, the Keep Sheet Talkers, the Keeps Sheet Talkers. Huh. Okay. So apparently, it's an paranormal investigator in Wichita, and I mentioned it to him and uh, the podcast. He's like, and then he got the talking, and apparently, he knows Brady, and he thought Brady was on the podcast. He's like, nope, he's. He's uh, done like some roundtables with us and stuff. So mm-hmm. he was like, oh, cool, cool. So that was pretty interesting to run into something like that. And he ended up uh, liking the podcast page today. So 
Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I saw that he liked that, so. Yeah, well, fantastic. What's up, Max? Good to have you, man. Um, hopefully, when things are a little bit safer, uh, we can get together and do some stuff for the show. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, wouldn't that be tight? Yeah. I got to give a quick shout out to our buddy, Baba Drock, a fellow artist and listener of the show. Um, I bought one of his Twisted Mashup Ninja Cryptids. Growing up, I had well over 45 to 50 Ninja Turtle action figures, but I never had a foot soldier. That was like the one I never had. And what Baba Drock has done is gone through and made a custom Bigfoot soldier action figure. So the body, like the torso and the legs of a foot soldier. And then he's got Bigfoot arms, feet, and a head sculpted on top of it. And uh, he's recreated the artwork from the original Ninja Turtle action figures. And then just put the uh, at the Bigfoot soldier where the foot soldiers were. It's pretty awesome. I'll get some good photos put up on the actual Instagram page. And uh, if you guys get a chance, definitely check him out on Instagram. Check out his... He's got an online store called Drock, D-R-A-W-K, toyandnovelty.com. Check him out. It's got a lot of really cool stuff on there. It makes a lot of really badass uh, resin casts and custom toys, so... And speaking of Instagram, check out PXL Paranormal on Instagram. Give us a follow. Uh, and Chris speaking Jones. of that promo code, use PXLPARA <laughs> for 20% off your order at BigDobsBeardBomb.com and get yourself some scents like Dundee Cedar, Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, Classic, and you'll have the best goddamn beard you could possibly have. It'll be shiny, smooth, silky, and smelling good. Mm-hmm. Still waiting for that sweet Tabasco, but... Yeah. Or, you know, day. Dapper Bigfoot. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we need right there. Cool. All right. If you're in the Wichita area, please jump down to Pawnee and Seneca. Stop in and say hi to Leslie and the gang at CD Trade Post. And otherwise, I think that about does it. Anybody got anything else? Ooh, like and subscribe on YouTube. We're yes. up to like we're up to 76 subscribers, so let's get that past 100 babies. Oh, hell yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? We're uh, well over 300 followers on Instagram. Um, I'm not sure what the Facebook is. That thing's got to be getting pretty up there, too. So we just want to say uh, hello to all the new followers, all the new listeners. It's great. We appreciate the support. Uh, we're very happy. You guys like us. You really like us. Mm, that shit. <laughs> yeah, and just, uh, yeah, keep coming back, man. Send us your stories. Send us your paranormal stories you've encountered. Uh, we've got a voicemail. If you guys want to give us a call, the voicemail phone number for our Google number. I should have had pulled up. I'll have it in just a second. There it is. Is 913-662-3144. I think what we'll do is kind of get in gear for another listener story episode for May because this May will mark our five-year anniversary of the podcast. So... It'd be pretty mm. killer to... Uh, I know, right? Whew. Can't believe it, man. We're getting close. It, unfortunately, I was hoping episode 200 would fall on the five-year anniversary, and we're going to miss it by like a month, probably. Mm. But uh, that's all right. Hey, that gives us two great things to celebrate this year. So Yeah. And uh, with uh, Steve's new job, I got my one episode almost polished up and ready to go. So uh, surviving death. That whole entire like six episode series that we're gonna do is coming. <laughs> now, is your topic six episodes by itself? 
Oh no, it's probably like at least like a solid two hour show. But then oh, okay, they, cool. I was like, holy crap, man. <laughs> no, we got you know we got mediumship. We got uh, you know uh, after death communication, near death experiences. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Reincarnation. Like yep. whoa. Sweet. Yeah, there's there's a lot, man. I just cracked open the uh, cover of Mary Roach's Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers, and I'm incredibly stoked to uh, get that book finished and throw that in there. So, yeah, I think probably, um, gosh, man, maybe in the next month or so we'll get started on that series. Maybe sooner. We'll see. Yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, so cool. All right, well, until next time, guys, I would love to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.